Hey everybody, I wanted to share with you something that's been on my heart, something that I feel compelled to say, something that I really pray you'll listen to. It's a really important time in our nation, and it is a really important time for the church. And I I, want to share with you what's on my heart. Would you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you now. We need you to lead us, to guide us, to help us be the people you've called us to be, to truly follow your son. And I just pray tonight, as we open up your word, as you speak to my heart, you would help. You'd speak through me to the people We're part of our beautiful church, Lord. Pray these things in your name. Last week, like many of you, I saw a video that was so disturbing of a law enforcement officer with his knee on the neck of a man named George Floyd. And I watched, we watched as George Floyd said, I can't breathe. He said, please, please. He pleaded Uh, for breath, for the officer to take his knee off his neck. Other people that were watching pleaded as well. And, And it was horrific. It was shocking. And I think that what I am being awakened to, and I, I think many of you are too, is that while it is horrible, it is not new. This is not the first time we've actually seen Uh, the ugly face of racism and injustice and the sin and evil all wrapped up in it show its ugly face. Uh, This has been happening in our nation for a long, long time. and, And it's enough. It's been enough. And I'm deeply convicted that it's time to say something. Because that same day, right? In New York City, as some of you know, We heard about uh, a woman who threatened a black man using his race against him as a weapon uh, and later admitted to doing it. And weeks before that, we had seen video of a man named Ahmaud Arbery walk into a, a house under new construction and look around, something I've done, something I know many of you have done as well. And something a lot of white people had also done. And we saw that on video and he walked out and for no reason other than the color of his skin, these men took it upon themselves to do a citizen's arrest and in the process killed him. And, and that is just, those three events are the things that have hit the news cycle in the last few weeks that we've actually caught on video. And what that tells us is it's the tip of an iceberg, that there has been racism and injustice happening for a long time. And and what's really been on my heart, and I'm sorry it's taken me as long as it has, but it's it's time, brothers and sisters in Christ, to say something. And I want to say this especially to my white brothers and sisters in Christ. It's time for us, it's been time for us to respond to this. We, we need to say enough. We need to say this can't happen anymore. We need 
to advocate for justice and righteousness and call out for change in a way that we have not. And, 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 I, and I, I'm asking you to do that. And I'm asking you to do that because you're a follower of Jesus. And I think when we read the scripture and we actually understand it, we are compelled to stand against oppressionism, oppression, racism, and justice in all the forms that they present themselves. And, and I'm asking you to do that um, starting now. If you have your Bible, I really encourage you to open it up. We're going to read Luke chapter 10. It's the parable of the good Samaritan. You probably know it, but I think we need to hear it again. Let me read it for you. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responded, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In response, Jesus told a parable. One Minneapolis afternoon, a middle-aged black man was arrested for alleged forgery. And according to everything we could see on the video, he allowed himself to be arrested, cuffed. But the next thing we knew, he was being forcibly held on the ground, and one of the police officers had a knee on his neck, and George Floyd was crying out, I can't breathe, pleading, pleading, for the officer to give him breath. The officer did not. Eventually, George Floyd passed out and was killed, murdered there on the street. This wasn't the first time something like this had happened. And George Floyd was representative of so many other instances in the black community where folks had felt left on the side of the road in so much fear feeling like the country didn't care if they were half dead, wondering who would help and if justice would ever come. But early the next day, because this was captured on video, a white person was scrolling through Instagram and they saw the video of George Floyd. They were saddened. They wanted to say something, but they chose not to in fear of social media outrage from friends and family. They continued to scroll. Later on that same day, another kind-hearted white person saw the video. They too were absolutely horrified, but thought there's got to be more to this story. That can't be right. We don't put up with racism in America anymore. Finally, Later in that day, a white policeman saw the video. He was saddened, shocked, ashamed by what yet another officer had done. And he said, I've had enough. I can't watch this any longer. He condemned the action on that social media platform. He started 
to listen to his black friends and colleagues and neighbors seeking to understand. And then he chose to start speaking up in his circles of influence, including the precinct, himself willing to pay whatever price justice required. Then Jesus said to the expert and the law, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to George Floyd? The man said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. You haven't heard that version of the Good Samaritan before. And I am sure that there are some of you that are upset with me, that are thinking to yourself, I don't understand. David, you're a Bible teacher. You've been committed to the scripture. You don't change it. What are you doing? And let me acknowledge that and affirm that and say, yes, that is absolutely not the story of the Good Samaritan. That's not the parable Jesus told. I changed it up in detail. I changed up uh, different elements of it. I have moved it from a first century ancient Near Eastern context to a very specific situation in 21st century America. And it's not perfect. And and I'll, I'll admit that. However, let me tell you why I did that. Parables are supposed to shock us. That's their purpose. That's why Jesus told parables. There is a first century religious expert who thinks he understands what God wants. And Jesus is trying to show him, you're not quite there yet. He's telling him a story that is supposed to offend him and disarm him and disarm him and open his ears in a way they hadn't been opened before. That's the point of a parable. That's what Jesus was trying to do then. And honestly, when we listen to Jesus' parables, if we're hearing them and understanding them right, they're kind of supposed to shock us and disarm us and even offend us too. And I've accomplished that. And I would also contend with you that the main biblical point that Jesus is making in the parable still remains intact in the story that I told. Let me explain. In the beginning of this story, this narrative, there's this man who approaches Jesus with a question. He is a lawyer in some of your Bibles, a um, expert in the law, is maybe what others of your Bibles say. And remember, this isn't law like we think of it today. This is law as a first century Jew understood it, which actually meant the Bible. He was an expert in the Bible because the law was the Jewish Bible. And so this is a man who's supposed to really understand God's law, to understand what God wants from us. And so he comes up to Jesus and he asks him, actually, what is a very stock question. uh, And Jesus asks him back another kind of prescribed question. And the whole interaction actually isn't all that interesting uh, at the beginning. Because what the man does after Jesus says, how do you understand and interpret the law, is he simply quotes the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That man knew that, 
from the time he was a child. Jews were taught that, the Shema, and they recited it every day, multiple times a day. And so that isn't surprising at all. This is actually a rather boring story up until the point where it says in the text, but the man wanted to justify himself. But the man wanted to justify himself. So what's happening is now it's time for the real conversation. This man wants to to say to Jesus, I understand the Shema this way. I understand what it means to love my neighbor this way. And I'm justifying that understanding. I want to go head to head with you on this. I want you to tell me, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? To that question, to that challenge, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And let's share again the actual story Jesus tells. There's a man who is on a journey and he is attacked by bandits. And he is almost killed. He's left half dead on the side of the road. Two men are walking And they see the man in need of help. One of them is a priest. The other is a Levite. It's kind of like a pastor and a a monk. And neither one of these people who is supposed to be righteous, who is supposed to be following God, helps this man in, in need on the side of the road. They keep on walking. It is then a Samaritan. A guy who everyone would have seen as unrighteous, who was not known to know God or follow God or or believe rightly about God. But this Samaritan sees the person in need on the side of the road. He helps him. He picks him up. He gets him what he needs. He's willing to pay the price. And at the end of Jesus' story, where this man has just asked the question, and who is my neighbor? Jesus essentially answers by saying, who was this man's neighbor? Of these three, who was this man's neighbor? So let's get really clear about what happened here. The man has asked, the religious expert has asked, the person who thinks that they're right has said, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Who do I have to help? Who do I have to see? And what was Jesus' answer to that question? Well, who's in front of you? Who in front of you needs help? Who's crying out for justice? Who needs mercy? Who needs you to stand up and be a neighbor to them? That's who you have to love. And that's the one who fulfills God's law. And that's what God is calling us to do. Jesus is saying, who will you be a neighbor to? So so the first thing I want to say to my white brothers and sisters is that it is time to speak. If George Floyd's horrific death wasn't enough, would you hear the cries of the people of color protesting in the streets of America? It's time for us to respond. We've got to take a stand 
We've got to say enough is enough. We see you. We hear you. We're going to take the position that we have of privilege and power and, 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 and stand with you. Right? We've got to say something. We've got to root racism out. We can't walk by this in our own justifications anymore and say that we're following Jesus. We've got to call out the sin of racism. We've got to root racism out. And that means you and I have got to speak. You know, there's this important distinction that's being made right now between not racist and anti-racist. Then also, my white brothers and sisters... We've also got to take a humble position. We've got to listen and be willing to learn right now. I recently heard a pastor say, sometimes in order to take a stand, you first have to take a seat. And, and I think that's so true about this situation. There is so much when it comes to race that we as white people struggle to understand. And I think part of the problem that we have in loving our neighbors as ourselves is that my experience in America isn't the same as my black and brown brother's experience in America. And in order for me to love them as as I would want to be loved, I have to understand that experience. I have to, to learn to step into it. And when it offends me or when it challenges me, If I have a humble posture, I'll allow myself to be challenged and stretched and grow. The only way we grow is through challenge. And and that's why we've got to to allow this to happen, right? And so the first thing that I I would suggest you do is why don't you call up your black friend, your, your, your brown friend and say, hey, tell me about what you've experienced here in our country. What, what has this been like for you? What, what do I need to know? What is part of my experience that I don't see? Be willing to have that conversation. Ask those questions. Another really good thing you can do is read. There are some, some good books out there. <coughs> I would name just a, a couple. There's one called Rediscipling the White Church. There's another called White Fragility. There's another one called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, you can find those on Amazon. I, I'm going to be reading. Uh, I'm going to be trying to learn in that way. But you know another place I'm really going to do a lot of study in is the Bible. Because this story of the Good Samaritan, you know, you may not have seen it before, but this is a story that brings in very strongly issues of race. Samaritans and Jews, they didn't get along so well. And then as you move through the New Testament, right, over and over again in in the epistles, you see Paul talking about Jews and Gentiles. And there was issues and tensions there. The Bible is rich with information that we can learn on about about how, how to follow Jesus in the midst of these issues of race. And if we have a humble posture... I think we'll be willing and able to learn. There is this really critical distinction being made between a person saying, I'm not racist, and a person actively being anti-racist. And I am still myself trying to understand it. But to the best I can explain it, let me try it like this. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, 
the priest and the Levite that walk by the man on the side of the road half dead, they would be in the not racist category. They weren't for the bandits. They certainly didn't want that man to have been robbed and beaten and on the side of the road in desperate need of help. But they weren't actively doing anything to help him or to stop the situation that put him there, right? And many of us are going to say to ourselves and to others even, uh, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I don't think bad thoughts about black people. I don't use the N-word. That's not me, right? And, And yes, okay, I think that's true. But here's the question that really matters that I think kind of flips that and helping us understand. What did the actions of the priest and the Levite communicate to the person who was half dead on the side of the road? What did he think about priests and Levites at that point? Did he, did he think he had their support? Did he think that they really loved him? Did he think that, that they cared enough that those people that, uh, that knew God's law actually lived it? No. It wasn't sufficient. And when you, when you hear his cries for help, when that is your true neighbor that you're supposed to love as yourself and you walk by him, let me tell you, not racist is not enough. It takes an active approach to, to, to rooting out racism, to helping that, that is required. And, and that is what Jesus is saying. And that's what, what leaders, black leaders who have pushed for justice have said for a long time. Desmond Tutu led the charge against apartheid in South Africa, said this, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice. Are we hearing him? Are we actually hearing what he's saying? We can't stay silent any longer. Saying I'm not racist doesn't work when there's injustice. Injustice requires response. Our silence is walking past racism on the road, just like in the parable. It is at best ambiguous to those in need of help, At worst, it is complicit, and right now, it certainly is cowardice. And how are people of color supposed to understand it any other way when they're asking for us to stand with them? Our black brothers and sisters don't need us to tell them privately that we're praying. They need us to publicly say that racism is wrong and needs to end. It must change. We've got to say this is enough. And I am going to speak up. I hope you will too. And to my black brothers and sisters, I am personally sorry for 
all the times I've stayed quiet. And then finally, I just want you to know that I have no desire to heap guilt on anyone. I don't want you to watch this video and just feel terrible about yourself. I don't know any person of color who's saying, I want white people to feel guilty. I don't think that's what this is about. I really am not interested in that. What I'm interested in, what I think God is calling us to, white people in the church, is to repentance, which is to see where we have failed, where we have broken God's law, and for us to change our ways, to turn from what's wrong to what's right, to, to follow Jesus in a way that, that we experience the abundance and the blessing that God's always intended for all of his people. And what I want us to do is to start speaking up and to listen and learn and realize that in those things, in the little actions that we choose to, to, to do every day, that that little seed of faith can grow up and change our world. And that's what we're here for in a world in deep need of change. We believe Jesus changes everything. And it starts with with me and you. And I pray you'll be with us on this journey. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, would you, by the power of your spirit, do a work in our hearts? Would you help us to see the places where we've fallen short, where we need to turn from our ways in repentance, and where we need to follow you into a new path. Lord, we see that our nation is hurting. We see that our land needs healing. And Lord, we ask you, as your word says, as we repent and we turn from our our wicked ways, that you would come and bring healing that the miracle of peace and justice would be known, and Lord, that we as your vessels would be, would be a part of that. Lord, would you make change? Would you help us to see and love our neighbor? And these things we pray and ask in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.